With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Mackers Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Hope you've had a good day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It is great to have your company on the Macca's Run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, right around the country on the SEN network. You can always have your say on the news of the day on the Harcourts open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate speak to Harcourts for all things sport give us a call and speak to me Macca's run catching up on the biggest stories and uh, the biggest conversation points from across the day uh, you can text in 0433 98 11 16 temper 40 winks text machine consumers choice winner temper mattresses pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape uh, of your body, uh, I wouldn't. Um, I, I would. Uh, it wouldn't be anything nicer than that. I don't think having that, that just nice snug as a bug in a rug sort of feel about you, and you can have that with the temper mattress. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your say on the news of the day. Curious as to how you went over the weekend. Were you able to find your footy fill? Uh, were you able to be nourished? Were you able to fill? up on as much sport as you possibly could. Did you find a way to replace the AFL footy with whether it be the brilliant start to the AFLW season? Did you sink your teeth into the VFL or both? Or even just get back to grassroots and go and see some of your local footy, whether it be the metro, regional, uh, country footy? Or did you have a week off it all together? Did you dive into Australia's one-day international win? They won the first game against Zimbabwe in that beautiful tribute to Andrew Simons. Uh, before that, Cam Green just continuing uh, to become the player that Crash Craddock was saying to Jared Waitley today that is generational. We've been looking for this guy for over 20 years. And he is an elite bowler, an elite batter. And those kind of players come around once in a blue moon. Did you get involved with the Wallabies? They beat South Africa and Adelaide and with the Bledisloe Cup just around the corner in New Zealand looking very vulnerable, going down to Argentina over the weekend. Did you find that the Wallabies gave you your footy fill or did you get stuck into some NRL, NRL action? What about the game between the Storm and the Roosters? That was brutal. It was nasty. It was spiteful. And the Storm now teetering on the edge of the four. The Broncos teetering on the edge of the eight and outside the eight at the moment. Or did you just get involved across the weekend with the FedEx Cup victory? Rory McIlroy, six shots back going into the final day. Scotty Scheffler, world number one, didn't just lose out on the 26 million Australian first place check. That's not the purse. That's the first place prize money. By coming equal second, he cost himself about 17 million uh, Australian dollars. It was unfortunately an all-time implosion from the world number one, and, and Rory McIlroy, could he just be the hero that golf needs right now in these uncertain golf times? Or are you still just not satisfied? Are you still famished? 
So we'll try and get to the bottom of what we do with this week. How is it best? How is it best put together? Uh, be going into the final. Sarah Black, um, esteemed AFLW writer and AFL writer, is going to join us to review round one of AFLW action at six thirty. But we might as well start with the pre-finals buy. Now, before we do that, as I say, this show is all about you having your say on the news of the day. Tim and Doreen's rung to do exactly that. Tim, far away. Thanks for calling. Yes, um, thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I got my footy fix from uh, VFL. Went to the VFL yesterday, um, the Collingwood-Carlton game at Victoria Park, which was fantastic. But it got me thinking, and I think we didn't notice this because of the two COVID years, the VFL effectively sort of got shelved. But what we've allowed happen to the VFL, I think, is a real um, disappointment. So it's, it, I don't know if you're aware, it's now a 21-team competition, mm-hmm. and none of the old standalone VFL clubs have even made the finals because it sort of got merged with the NEFL and I yep. yeah I just I don't, I don't know how we allowed that to happen it's, it's decimated that comp you know um, I, I don't think it's it's a good thing to have that many teams in it um, I, I would have thought you know with the expansion that the AFL would want a standalone NEFL to, to foster and encourage the game in Sydney and Brisbane so yeah I just think it's really disappointing um, we used to have a lot. Of, remember, the, we'd have games at Northport Oval mm. um, this time of year, and oh yeah, I just I think it's a real disappointment. That just it, on, was, it was great there was a game yesterday, but yeah. I think it's a real pity that yeah, what we've lost. Looks like it was a really good crowd there too at Victoria Park, and and it was interesting watching that game. I, I actually was watching it yesterday afternoon myself as well, Tim, on the box, and part of the beautiful Evie who grew up going to games at Victoria Park with her dad. Um, she spoke, you know, we sat there and she spoke about all her memories uh, of that place. And and I and I think that if we had have had a, a finals weekend, I don't know whether we would have been watching that game. So it, it was that was really nice to sit down and watch that game and have her tell her stories of her memories of of Victoria Park with the the sides. I might the jury's still out for me. I think there's some positives to it. I think those Neefel sides get more, might get a bit more exposure playing in that league, the players who are trying to push up to play in the AFL. Like Southport are one of the best teams. I, I haven't had a look at the ladder to see how it all finished. I've got to say, I haven't probably followed the VFL as closely this year as I have last, but I know that Southport are at the pointy end uh, of the ladder, and they are a standalone side. Um, they are a phenomenal um, sporting organisation, one of the richest sporting clubs in the country. It's just still beggar's belief that the AFL walked away from those negotiations with Southport when they were looking to put the Suns up there because you wouldn't have had to put in half as much um, if they had have gone down the track of installing Southport themselves uh, as the team that came into the AFL. Um, they are as financially sound as you would like. But but they are a standalone team and they have made finals, so I think that's on the positive side of it. So I think, yeah, jury's still out. It's a great conversation point and for those who follow the VFL closely you tell me um, Tim's of the belief that it's it's actually been to the detriment of the VFL competition with some of the whether it be the Port Melbournes or Frankston's uh, or Werribee's not making finals you tell me one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. so what do we do about the pre-finals buy Gil McLaughlin has spoken about it today, Jared Whiteley. Everyone has spoken about this today. And I am well and truly on the fence. I'm going to declare my hand right here, right now. I'm getting splinters, just like I did through my whole playing and junior football career. More bench time than I think any other human being on earth. So I got splinters then, I've got them now. And when you've got splinters because you're sitting on the fence, 
you have to do a little bit of a pros and a little bit of a cons list. So I want you to help me out here. I want you to state the arguments. I'm going to give you some pros and cons. We're going to hear from some people throughout the day who have had their say. Gil McLaughlin's given it all the ticks today. He said because of the ticket sales are astronomical for round one of finals, clearly there's no slowdown in momentum. He said the top four is still where the Premier comes from except for one year. Um, it came in after 2015 and the Dogs obviously what they did in 2016 and then making the grand final last year from outside the top four. But it still favours the top four finish according to Gill, and he likes the fact that it gives the AFLW clean air. So these are some of the pros. So the week's rest at the end of a long season, the freshen up. Now, several clubs have been assisted by this break. Geelong with Jeremy Cameron, Reece Stanley, um, Duncan Guthrie, that's Cam Guthrie, and Sam Menegola, all looking likely to play this week. And a few of those probably wouldn't have if we had played finals on the weekend. Brisbane... Cal Archie, Jared Berry, that week's done them a whole lot of favours. It's probably going to do Dusty Martin favours at Richmond. Tom Lynch was asked today about his view uh, on the pre-finals by the Richmond presser. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, it's nice having the um, buy for me personally. A um, bit of a freshen up and uh, yeah, had a run around today and we'll train Monday and yeah, be good to go. So, no, no doubt for Thursday then? Uh, unless Demi doesn't pick me, I think I'll be um, playing. So, yeah, no, I feel fine, so I'm right to go. There we go. Tom Lynch, right to go, and that would be courtesy of that pre-finals buy. So for Melbourne, Luke Jackson, another week for him. Looks like it's going to be so important. Christian Salem as well. Sydney with Tom Papley. Wouldn't have been able to play this week. Uh, last week, can this week. So there's some of the pros. The AFLW gets clean air to launch their season. It was a fantastic season launch, and we'll talk about that with Sarah Black when she joins us at 6.30. Only one grand final winner has come outside the top four under this current structure. So that's a pro. So it's still, if you look at it just on that basis, there is the argument to say it still does favour finishing in the top four. Um, if they were to do it, you could do all the award seasons in this week off. And of course, as Gil said, three out of the four finals, he reckons are going to be sellouts and one pretty close too. Now, as for the cons, let me just play what Jared Waitley had to say on and, and had the facts and figures as to why it can actually be a disadvantage to those finishing in the top four. It's not about whether we all manage to fill the gap weekend. It's about the impact that it has on the final series and how it has corrupted the advantages established across 23 gruelling weeks. The change in trend is irrefutable. It's worth recounting this morning before we launch into it. It settles on the qualifying finals winners who run into another idle week rather than earning the advantage of a breather over their rivals. Between 2000 and 2015, so this final's set up, 75% of the time, both qualifying finals winners went on to win their prelims. 75%. Once the buy became a disruptor, that plummeted to 20%. So 75% falls to 20%. And the instances of both qualifying finals, winners losing the prelims went from 0% across 16 seasons to 40% once the buy became a factor. So it's not about whether you or I had a lovely weekend. It's about altering the terms of the month that matters. The only way to get a precious weekend off in the final series was to win it. And when you did, the advantages were enormous. Now it is gifted to all. And it has corrupted the historic pattern. I hope it goes with the change of chief executive. 
So Jerry Whateley, absolutely not sitting on the fence like I am with that. That's as strong as it gets and comes with the numbers to back up the argument uh, as well. Uh, David King, um, we'll get to Kingy in a moment because the next thing you've got to do is go through the cons. So what are the cons of the pre-finals buy? There's one of them. You mess with match fitness too. So just think about this. If you win week one after a week off, you've then got another two-week wait until your next game. So your second game is after a four-week spell where you've played one game. It's at the end of the four weeks. So that's a con, I reckon, and we've seen that trip up teams uh, over the journey, and Jared was speaking about those numbers previously. You give the NRL a free hit, which we're already doing with Thursday nights, but you give your major competition uh, a leg up. If people aren't, gonna, aren't going to invest in AFLW or the VFL, then where do they go? And we've got a couple of people texting in saying, I watched NRL all over the weekend. You give a leg up to teams who finish in the bottom half of the eight. So there is the argument that why should they benefit in the same way that the top four benefit from that week off? That doesn't seem to be as great a um, character dangle top four as it once used to be. So those are some of the cons. If you've got more pros and you've got more cons, I'd love to hear them. But then I want you to come with what the alternatives are. Is it scrap it and just go back to normal? And then figure out a way to try and make the AFLW season launch still a feature and still give it prime time positioning across the first week of the finals if you're going to do it like that, whether it be as double headers or whether it be that you don't, on, on whether it be Thursday night, it's AFLW. Friday night could be AFLW, then Saturday, Sunday. However you want to do it, you've got to come up with a way so that the AFLW doesn't suffer for it and try and find a way in which it can be a celebration in conjunction with each other. Or you keep it as it is and find a way to fill the weekend with a little bit more. So whether that be an EJ Witten Legends game, because we didn't get to play that again this year, you could put skills challenges, goal-kicking competitions around that for some of the biggest names in the game if they haven't gone on holidays just yet. Do it around halftime. Or do you do the wild card round, as Nathan Buckley suggested today on SEN Breakfast? But I still reckon there's room to have our cake and eat it. So my suggestion is to bring in a wild card oh, weekend. that old chestnut. Yep. So seventh plays tenth, eighth plays ninth. For the last two spots, the top six teams get a breather. Mm-hmm. The top four teams still get their home, yep. their home, um, or to get the double chance, and the top two teams still get their home final with the double chance. But if seven played tenth, then Richmond would play would have played St Kilda, and Western Bulldogs would have played Carlton. Now I would have loved to have seen Carlton go around again and, and get another chance at it. Now, the way that that was written, they had their chances and they didn't quite get there. But if you had those two games, you could actually leverage off, say a Friday and a Saturday night, and the AFLW could leverage off that, and you could play some curtain raises, mm-hmm. and you're going to get the girls playing in front of. 40, or, or more to the point, you're going to get 40, 50, 60,000 people being able to see that game live. Yep. And that exposure only takes that to another level. So I think it's great for AFLW. I reckon each of those games is worth around 10 million bucks to the AFL. And what I would do with that, man, I know it doesn't work like this, but what I would do with that money is I'd flip it back straight back into coaching and development because the soft cap um, in the AFL men's and in the AFL women's has been impacted in the last three or four years, and it has been smashed. The coaching levels have and and um, remuneration has been smashed. 
and we've got staff numbers that have reached drastically low levels due to the soft cap. Yep. I would tip that straight back into that because if we don't uh, reinvest into there, then we are going to see uh, a, a, we're going to see the product start tipping off in the next four or five years. So there's a little bit in that, but I reckon it's a win-win-win. Nathan Buckley likes the NFL-style wildcard round. Dwayne Russell likes a single play-in game, 8v9 for that final spot. We had callers call during the week and say another game you could put on is 9th v 10th for the number one pick. I've often said that I don't like how the finishing last on the ladder guarantees you the number one pick. I think if you really want to keep the season interesting all the way to the end, and we're lucky we had that this year, then if you finish 9th, I think you get you should get the number one pick. Uh do you have no buy and save the buy to a pre-grand final buy? Uh, Kingy spoke about that. I'll play that in just a moment. I like the pre-grand final buy so we don't have players missing due to concussion protocols. We do give teams one week to freshen up like they do in the NFL for the Super Bowl. I think it works well then. But again, they fill the week in with a Pro Bowl. So what do we fill that week in? Again, a week to highlight and feature AFLW. You could also play NAB Grand Finals, VFL Grand Finals on that week. You could have an under-18 All-Stars game on that week to highlight that before the draft. So there are ways you can fill in and ways that you can still have football I just don't think we're getting the mix right right now. So I'm on the fence still. I can see the pros for the pre-finals buy. I can see the cons as well. So help me with the argument. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A break. Back with your calls on the Macca's Run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. I like the buy pre-grand final because... I'm worried about concussion. Mm. So I just, like, if Papley wasn't able to play this week, it's a severe impact to Sydney. I understand that. But if he's not able to play in a grand final, well, then that's, uh, that, that's just, that's just not on, is it? I mean, we, we've made these rules, the 12 day, the 12 day protocol. So let's, let's give players the opportunity to still be part of the grand final celebrations and, and game day if they can. David King on the means test with Gerard Waitley, SEN.com.au to hear the means test in full. He is a fan of the pre-grand final buy, not the pre-finals buy. Uh, Mark's in Geelong. G'day, Mark. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Uh, just wanted to uh, have a bit of a chat about your, your point about the, the VFL competition, mate. Sure. What have you got for me? Um, I, I do I, I do a little bit of work for one of the the standalone VFL teams who are not aligned with one of the AFL clubs, and the, the thing that strikes me when I watch the games is that I think it's an unfair contest, and I think that you know the AFL are really doing damage to some of those grassroots clubs who have been playing in in representative football in the VFA slash VFL for for many many years uh, by the fact that. You know, they've got to compete against clubs who are AFL-backed, so their players are professional players, they're listed players, they have all the benefits of dietitians and sports physicians and, and all that sort of stuff and the, the best level of coaching. You know, they're, you, Sydney, for example, their reserves players get to train with, you know, players like Buddy Franklin and all that sort of stuff. And when you look at the standalone VFL teams, mate, a lot of them are part-time footballers, you know. They, they have a Monday yeah. to Friday job, they work that Monday to Friday job and they train a couple of nights a week and, and they're playing against these teams at an unfair advantage. I think the, the AFL needs to have a really, really close look at, at what's going on. And um, I don't know why they had to break the needle down and, and, and create this sort of 
monster competition that um, really, you know, shouldn't even be called the VFL if you're going to go that far. But it certainly gives a disadvantage to the likes of, you know, the, the Northern Bull Ants and, and to Coburg and, and, and to Werribee and a few of the others. Yeah. Uh, they just can't compete with these big clubs. Yeah, so the Southport, the only team that made the eight, uh, they finished third on the ladder that's not aligned uh, with an AFLW club in the bottom four, Northern Bullants, Williamstown, Coburg. North Melbourne, though, are AFL aligned. Frankston finished above them, non-AFL aligned. Port Melbourne did too. Sandringham, uh, Werribee as well. Werribee uh, finished uh, two games outside the eight. So it would fe- it does feel like it's not the finished product just yet. So how to finish it, that's a big question. Thanks for the call, Mark, and for your insights. Chris is in Cranbourne. G'day, Chris. G'day, Sam. How are you going? I'm well. Thanks for asking. That's good. That's good. Uh, just with regards to how I feel my time, just, to, um, just off the top, um, as a Carlton supporter, the girls played AFLW and also um, the boys played VFL. Um, so I, I, I found it quite easy to yep. fill my time Great. with regards to the pre-finals buy. Um, with the free, pre-finals buy, I'm a strong advocate for it. Um, I think that making the finals um, is hard enough. Uh, and um, I think all teams that make the finals, there should be some recognition with regards to that. Um, now, with the with the with the teams that finish on top, and if they win, they have a extra week's break. That's just something that good teams tend to be able to navigate through anyway. And um, we always stress about the evenness of the competition and how we want to make it genuinely um, uh, viable for an actual team to be able to win the flag. Um, the pre-finals buy as a recharge gives everybody a reasonable chance. And if we're going to really progress the competition, then every supporter whose team makes the eight should feel as though they've got a realistic chance of winning it. Um, I think in the past, um, the actual advantages were a bit too much for the top two teams. So um, in, we always stress about evenness. And hey, Chris, I've got to, I'm have just hitting this break that I can't move, my friend. But thank you so much for your call. Uh, we'll come back to your calls on the other side of this and Sarah Black. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, welcome back or to the Macca's Run, whichever category you fall into. Make sure you try the quarter pounder at Bacon, uh, quarter pounder bacon at Macca's today. Harcourt's open line is always that for you to have your say on the news of the day. Your move, your Harcourt's one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can text in on the, the Temper Forty Winks text machine. Consumer's Choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your rig. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Uh, news just coming through as we've been on air. Uh, thanks to JK for sending this through. But Cal Toomey, AFL.com.au, reporting that North Melbourne, uh, since about July, have been working through their bid to get um, a priority pick or picks um, after winning just nine games out of their last 61 over the past three seasons. Uh, he has said that in addition to that, they're looking to increase their playing list by a couple of extra rookie spots on their list. The Suns were given an increased rookie list up to 10 players. Kangaroos aren't asking for that. What they have used in uh, as putting forward their case was the cases that the Suns put forward in 2019, Cartland Brisbane in 2018 to show its three-year performance was the worst, was actually worse than 
those clubs when they were awarded AFL support. So uh, another great, uh, uh, another great breaking story from Cal Toomey, who just does it like clockwork. Uh, so North Melbourne asking for two possibly uh, extra rookie spots on their list uh, to go along with the conversation in regards to priority picks. Uh, before Sarah Black joins us to go through a uh, fantastic first round of AFLW, Sam's on the road. G'day, Sam. Yeah, good evening. Um, I actually like the idea of the wildcard playoff. I reckon it's an excellent idea. And uh, further to that other caller beforehand, I, I do agree that the VFL just doesn't really work. They should just go back to reserves and maybe try to re-establish the VFA or AFL help out um, in setting up another tier competition um, in Victoria or New South Wales and Queensland. But, yeah, I don't think the current VFL works out well at all. Sam, I appreciate the call. Uh, It's interesting, isn't it, when players are looking to make their decision on especially those who are trying to get uh, into the AFL system via the VFL... um, how many of them are picking standalone clubs to try and do so? How many are we taking from standalone clubs? I, I really wouldn't mind going back and checking mid-season drafts and and uh, and all you know pre-season drafts, supplemental list, uh, the the SSP um, or the PPS. I'll, I'll get the uh, the acronym right in a sec. Um, but also the uh, the November draft as well to see when we are taking players out of the VFL. How many are we actually taking out of the standalone sites? Uh, that'd be interesting to look at as well. It just doesn't feel like feel like it's the finish. SSP. Thank you very much, JK. Um, Ari's in Sydney. G'day, Ari. How are you, Sam? Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, good to hear, mate. I'm I'm a big fan of the buy. I think it's good that that all the teams go into finals fighting fit. Um, I do think you need some some footy on that weekend. But I think Jared's Jared's stats don't actually paint the story he thinks they do. I think. You know, that, that 70% of, of the top four moving through, that's that's way too weighted in their favour. Um, so the fact that putting the buy-in before has brought that number down, I think, is a great thing. Yeah, so the stat that uh, Jared rolled out today with it, um, that 70%, 75% goes to 20% uh, winning the prelim after winning the qualifying final. Um, both winners losing the prelims after winning the qualifying final was at 0% and goes to 40%. Those are the numbers that he um, spoke about today. So it is a drastic change. So you like the idea that it's a little harder to win it from top four, even though only one player, uh, one team has actually won it from outside the top four since this was brought in after Ross Lyon rested a ton of players. I think Chris Scott did in the final round. So you like the idea that it actually evens up the top eight chances. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's only been six or seven years and, and a couple of them were the COVID years. So I think we'll see those numbers get closer together. But but the advantage before was too great. So the fact that, you know, it's, it's brought all eight of the teams that have made finals and, and that's, you know, you've got to qualify in the eight to make finals. You go in the four and, and you get the double chance and a home final at some point if you play your cards right. That's enough of an advantage already. The fact that it's evened it up, I think, makes for a better final series. You get in the eight and, and you're a good chance of going all the way and winning the whole thing. Yeah, Ari, appreciate the call. Yeah, as I said, sitting well and truly on the fence, splinters getting uh, harder and harder to sit comfortably with. But there is something about just that lack of footy over a four-week period if you are to win straight through to a prelim. Um, Chris Fagan spoke about that today, that he'd much rather be playing through, uh, that his players want to play. Players want to play and teams want to play to maintain their momentum. Yes, I think just that just doesn't sit quite comfortably with me, but I still understand the pros for it. Uh, let's get to our feature guest uh, of the Macca's run. Oh, she kicked into Chelsea Randall on the mark. 
She just tried to pop it over her head. Randall was held when she didn't have a footy. Pierce picked it up and kicked the goal. Daisy Pierce this time. Desperately unlucky with Sophie Locke not to get a free kick. In fact, she has. Won't this be special too? And she makes no mistake, and that is a beautiful moment. She points to the sky. Every one of her teammates gets to her. Maddie Pasparkas, the big-time recruit. This will need a big-time finish, and it gets it. Her childhood club that she dreamed of playing for, she grabs at the jumper and is seriously pumped up. 35 out, Prasparkas lining up to the Barwon River end. It's a beautiful drop punt and puts the Cats in front with 50 seconds remaining. Uh, just a few of the many highlights of a fantastic first up round AFLW Season 7. The competition finally whole. Uh, all 18 teams now represented with Essendon, Hawthorne, Sydney and Port Adelaide coming into the competition to complete it. And now it feels like it begins again, uh, but it begins in earnest. It begins complete um, and now it's all ahead uh, of this fledgling competition and we're just excited about what the future holds. Uh, and it's a phenomenal performance first up to, it's only a four month term around since um, the AFLW 6 grand final that Adelaide won uh, so to get that quick turnaround, to get the season underway and to get the games that we did, I know one person who would have been really impressed by what she saw over the weekend she's always so generous with her time, the number one rider for AFLW, afl.com.au journo, Sarah Black, hello Sarah Hey Sam, how are you going? All the better for speaking to you, thanks again for coming on just played some of the highlights of the first round and it could have gone on for another couple of minutes, that package. What was your highlight? What was the standout moment to you um, in this first round of uh, the complete season uh, or the complete competition, AFLW Season 7? Oh, oh tough one. There, there were so many to choose from. Um, unsurprisingly, nine games is a lot of football. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think uh, it was Sophie Locke's... Um, being the one to kick Hawthorne's yeah. first goal. Um, just, you know, we all know his story. Her mum unfortunately passed away a few weeks ago um, after a battle with cancer. And, and for Sophie to, to have the composure, go back, take that set shot, um, and then, then kiss the armband and point at the sky, I think everyone uh, teared up a little bit uh, watching that. Yeah, I, I must admit, I found it really hard to keep my composure. Lucy McAvoy and I were calling the game, um, to see her kiss the, the double armband, to point up at the sky. There was about a 100 or so people that came down from Seymour, where she's from. Her dad uh, spoke to us at halftime about the incredible support that, that their footy club has given and the incredible support that the Hawthorne Football Club have given Sophie in a really difficult time with, as you say, her mum losing her battle with cancer just two weeks ago. I was still uh, emotional after watching the video of getting picked for her first game when Beck Goddard brought her in, had her dad and her sister on FaceTime. And then for that to happen, it, it was, as you say, it was, a, it was a beautiful moment, a special moment, um, and one that won't soon be forgotten. And she's Hawthorne's first ever goal kicker in, in the AFLW. Um, why don't we start with... The, we'll just go through the games and a little bit of each. Carlton Collingwood got the season going, and one of the things I love, I think one of the greatest parts of our game, and it was father-son, and now it becomes father-daughter. Uh, there'll be a day when it's mother-son, mother-daughter, and that'll be a, a, another special, special addition to what is something unique to our code, and that is the family legacy. So when we're watching a game where Tani Brown probably plays her best career game, uh, obviously of the, uh, her father, the great Gavin Brown, and, and her brothers play for Collingwood as well. Abby McKay, 
Um, Andy McKay's daughter was uh, played fantastic through the middle and was backing into packs and uh, oh, oh, that was what really stood out for me in in that game. Uh, Collingwood with an eighteen point win, but it was those names that that family legacy that I couldn't help getting the warm and fuzzies about. Yeah, it really is lovely to see this next generation come through. And, and you speak about Tani, she's still relatively new to football. Like, she came into it all as a basketballer who played a bit of footy on the side. But she may end up, may end up being the, the best Brown sibling of the lot. Um, she, she's really, uh, you know, she embodies this next generation of Collingwood players. We sort of weren't sure about how the Pies were going to go. No Britt Benici, no Brie Davy, of course. They're two star midfielders with ACL injuries. Um, but the Pies really, um, like, like they backed Brown to, to go through into the middle of the ground. So they backed Ashling Sheridan, their Irish import, um, you know, and, and they threw in Chloe Malloy, you know, and uh, Ruby Slasher, two All-Australians at, at either end of the ground. Mm. Um, so I think it's promising signs for the Pies. Um, but, yeah, one that the Blues would have liked to have tucked away as a win, I think. Imogen Evans was another one that impressed me. Uh, was the Gold Coast Suns Academy captain, uh, and they brought her down from from the Gold Coast and is a tackling machine. But her goal, that banana, um, from about 30 out uh, on the run, was uh, another for the highlight reel. And and, um, and I thought, too, that, you know, that that game had plenty as well. For Carlton, it, it, it probably looks like it might be a difficult season. They lost eight players to expansion teams, and, you know, they were four and six, I think it was, last year. So they were already up against it. Uh, Daniel Harford, I, I thought there were some real positives. It was really the, the second quarter, I think, when the game got away from them a little. But um, there are some positives for them uh, to come out of, of the game, Sarah. Yeah, there are. Um, you know, half said in his post-match that the, the things that went wrong are fixable. Um, so, you know, it was their structure around the footy. They, they got too many sucked into the contest and it threw out their forward line. Um, so, so those are things that they can go back, they can look at and readjust. Um, and, and they are quite a young side. It was great to see um, the rising star winner, Mimi Hill, back up with another great performance after copying a corky in the warm-up. Um, so, so there are some positives for the Blues, um, but, but as I said, yeah, I, I think they would have been pretty disappointed with that performance. Yeah, Mia Austin, who was their second pick in the draft, I think, uh, coming into this year, first kick, first goal club. So that was uh, a bit of a highlight. And, and, and just the feeling around that game, when it came to Darcy Vessio. So Carlton were playing their 50th ever AFLW match and Darcy was playing their 50th AFLW match. So that's beautiful synergy between their marquee selection, been there since day one, um, first player to reach the the 50-goal milestone. And I think we had about 12 players rack up the 50-game milestone uh, over the weekend. So there was a a real milestone vibe about uh, the opening round. Um, Melbourne and Adelaide, uh, the second game, uh, or Adelaide-Melbourne Friday night. Melbourne um, maybe put a couple of demons to bed with a pretty assured performance uh, over the Crows. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, we, we haven't yet seen the reigning Premier win the grand final rematch the following season. So the, the underdog has always, um, you know, got, got a slight form of revenge, um, you know, come the, the grand final rematch. And the Ds, I think, were, were pretty determined to, to make amends um, from last season. It was fairly comprehensive performance. Ed Marinoff was held to just 14 disposals, which is one of her lowest tallies. Um, that, that wasn't just through one you know, hard tagger. That was just a combination of, of Melbourne players rotating through and winning their own footy too. Um, Daisy Pierce did a, did a wonderful shutdown job on Sarah Allen. It's not often you see a key back 
tagged. Um, but, but Daisy did a phenomenal job. Um, and always love to see the next chapter in the Taylor Harris Chelsea Randall rivalry. Um, and the D's through Tay in the ruck a bit to, to try and break up that that uh, dominance that Randall has had over Harris in the last few years. Just while we're going, I might as well update on coaches' votes too. So from Carlton Collingwood, Ruby Slicer got the 10. As you say, that move into the midfield from the All-Australian defender. Wrapped to see Lucy McAvoy get the 6. Came back a couple of weeks early from a shoulder in- injury. I think had a game-high tackle uh, count um, and, and was massive for Carlton. She got the 6. 5, uh, Lauren Butler f- uh, for Collingwood. 4 for Mimi Hill for Carlton. 3, Jordan Allen from Collingwood. 1, Tani Brown. Jeez, I thought Tani uh, had a better game than that. Nabby McKay got one vote as well. Um, the 10 votes in the um, Adelaide v Melbourne game it was actually 8 votes to Kate Hoare, 6 to Eliza West, 5, Madison Gay, 5, Karen Paxman, 3, Chelsea Randall, uh, 2, Anne Hatchard, and, and 1, Sarah Lampard. Um, North Melbourne looked lethal against Gold Coast and you worry what the season might hold for the Gold Coast again um, they've lost a few in expansion they got two goals late but it was um, it wasn't a pretty scoreline for them for three and a half quarters um, ten votes to Jazzy Garner I, I still think she's the best player in the competition uh, in the coaches votes um, in equal measure you just loved how North Melbourne played but were you concerned about what you saw from the Sun Sarah Black a little bit, um, but I think you just have to be to carry in the back of your mind that North Melbourne are very good at putting the foot down. Yep. Um, so, so if they're better than an opposition, they will score and they will score heavily. Um, so, so quite often they're on the, the winning side of these lopsided results. Um, the Suns, as you said, were hit pretty hard by expansion. There was five players to Port Adelaide alone, which was there was a few South Australians there who uh, were deciding to go home, caught up in that. Um, and I just think, you know, as a developing side under Cam Joyce, they just haven't really got the depth to cover the loss of, of so many players at once. Mm. You take Sarah Perkins out of that forward line as well, and, and all of a sudden it's up to new captain Tara Bahana to sort of hold it all together um, as, as a sole spearhead up there. Um, so, so I think it's going to be a tougher year for the Suns than we saw last season Um, but I I think they've got the right structure in place they've got the right coach at the helm Um, you know in the long run it's going to be okay that the depth of talent in Queensland is great um, but in the short term it's going to hurt them Um, so just the other winners of the round I've got a couple of other more pointed questions for you Sarah the the Eagles get their season off to a a good start it's been a tough uh, entry into AFLW for them a 12 point win over Port Adelaide who who weren't uh, who didn't uh, disgrace themselves in their first up outing uh, but a 12 point win to the Eagles 29 point win to St Kilda over Sydney um, who showed some good signs and good news that Montana Ham hasn't done an ACL uh, and won't miss the rest of the season the number one draft pick Um, Essendon and Hawthorne was a special night at Marvel Stadium Essendon by 26 points but Hawthorne pushed them all the way and and helped a little bit by Essendon's inaccurate kicking Dogs 7 point winners over the Giants in a pretty uh, feisty game that one and so was Essendon and Hawthorne by the way Beck Goddard bringing the bag of sand in I thought was very nice theatrics uh, before the game Sarah the Lions were dominant 49 point win over the Dockers uh, who've got some injury worries and um, even though it was a low scoring game it was a thriller between the Cats and and the Tigers with Georgie Pasparkas kicking a goal with 50 seconds left to give the Cats the lead and and to get the win. What did you make of the four newbies, the four newbie clubs, Sarah? What who impressed you? Yeah, well, I think they all did in different ways. Um, I thought Hawthorne were much stronger than they'd shown in their practice matches. Um, Beck Goddard made mention in a post match press that 
in those practice matches, they just didn't bring the intensity that's needed at AFLW level, um, and they did so against the Bombers. They stuck with them, you know, for longer than I thought they were going to. I think the Bombers' forward line is going to cause a lot of teams' headaches. They just have so many options there that all of a sudden, you know, Jess Wushner becomes like the fifth banana and, and bobs up and, and kicks a few goals. Mm. Um, Port Adelaide, as you said, weren't disgraced at all. Um, Gemma Houghton's great, going to be great there. And, and the Swans... Um, Great news about Montana Ham. That's only going to be a three to four week injury with a knee strain. Um, so considering how badly her leg was caught up in that smother, you know, we've, we've seen those B-season ending injuries before, but, um, but she'll be back uh, in a month or so. Uh, what did you... So the AFL have ticked off the finish to the Cats uh, and the Tigers game. A downfield free kick that Matty Prasparkas... Uh, sorry, Georgie uh, Prasparkas was able to take... Um, went back and, and kicked a brilliant set shot goal um, ice in the veins sort of stuff um, what did you make of, of that decision it seemed a little strange that the, she was able to take what was a, a downfield free kick given that uh, that she had the ball at the time um, it's been ticked off what was your view on it yeah, so I also thought it was a little bit strange. So put in the put in a question at, at AFL House this morning, um, and they ticked off the free kick itself. They, they said that it was a dangerous tackle due to the excessive rotation was the term that was given to me. Um, they said yes, it should have been a downfield free kick, but no, Georgie shouldn't have been the one to take it. Um, so so we went back through the the footage, um, got some behind the goals vision, which you know you always love, mm. and it looks like Chloe Shear is the one who Chloe almost she she puts her hand up and says you know give me the ball sort of thing, um, and in the end Georgie was the one who was who was brought forward that ten meters or so, and look full credit to Georgie for spotting the kick. It, she's only kicked two goals today at FLW level, and they both came um, yesterday against the Tigers, so she was the the clear match winner there, um, but it probably should have been Chloe Shear's kick there. Any uh, any word from Richmond, um, or they just have to uh, just cop it, sweet? Uh, I think it might be a, a cop on the chin situation. Look, the Tigers had their opportunities. They they would have been bitterly disappointed with that game, regardless of of the way it finished. They had four um, four shots of goal in the second quarter, where they could have built a, a really sizable lead. Um, all gettable set shots, and then they sprayed them all. So. Um, yeah, unfortunately for the Tigers, I, I hope that they don't get to the end of the season and look back at this one as the one that got away. Sarah, I feel like we've only scratched the surface. We'll, we'll have to talk another time and see what the AFL's response to is about all the amount of sling tackles and dangerous tackles. There was a lot of those, um, but we are out of time. But thank you so much for your time. It's always great to chat to you, and, and it was a phenomenal first week of AFLW, uh, and I'm sure it's only going to get better as the season goes on. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, SarahBlackAFL.com.au, the number one writer on all things AFLW. Uh, and, of course, uh, Paige Scott from Essendon uh, and along with uh, Abby Dowrick from Port Adelaide are the two rising star nominees from this week. We'll tidy up the Macca's run on the other side of this and then get ready for your heroes and villains with the Sporting Capital at 7 o'clock. Welcome to the Macca's run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Yeah, I thought it was a success, actually. Um, to get some of the best overseas players um, in the world of T20 cricket uh, to nominate and then be selected or, or not selected, uh, I think that's a true testament. The, the BBL is going to go bigger and bigger and uh, hopefully from strength to strength. But I thought... Uh, 
in future terms, I'd like to see a domestic draft uh, combined with an overseas draft. I, I think that would be sensational. And I know it's a long day. Um, I'm not sure how the AFL boys do it because it's an extremely long day just for, for three picks. So, But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see a domestic draft and an overseas draft at the same day. I think that would be superb for the competition going forward. We're going to have a bit more of a chat about the BBL draft, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That was Dave Hussey, the coach of the Stars. Um, Trent Bolt, they secured his service. It's a great get. But given the fact that the draft was marketed using Andre Dwayne Russell and Faf Duplessis and neither were taken, was it really a success? Uh, Sporting Capital next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.